Let's get out our Bibles this morning and go to James chapter 4. Before we read, let's take a moment and pray. And let's let our minds and our thoughts be on Him only, Him alone. This is our meeting, our appointment with God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your presence here now. You are with us and we are with you. And so we quiet our minds and we open our hearts to receive. Lord, may revelation of your will and your plan and your purpose for our lives and our, our, our time come to, uh, be made known today. Lord, we listen to your voice and you listen to ours. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your help in time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, ready? James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Say that out loud with me. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Let me remind you of the New Living Translation that says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So today, I want to continue our series called Close, Drawing Near to God. And uh, has it been helpful so far for those of you that have been here? I'm convinced that if we'll put things into practice, it'll absolutely revolutionize our lives. Not just that my goal in this is not that you just think it was a good message or you have some more notes or you've learned some scriptures and some truths about the Lord, but my goal and my desire is that you would actually draw close to God (laughs) and He would draw close to you. But we can see from the scripture there that God put that in our hand. He made us the hinge in this deal. He's always been willing, it was his idea from the beginning, that you and I would walk close with him. However, the practicality of this and the day-to-day of this union is up to us now. We must respond to his love and draw close to him. When we do, he's given us his word, and he'll never fail. He is faithful to do exactly what he said. He will draw near to us. If there's any gap in your relationship with God, it's not his fault. Amen. Whose fault is it? (laughs) Well, I'm either drawing close to him or I'm not. This is not an issue of whether God loves me or not. Because that's a constant. But it is going to play out in a real way in my life. And I can have an intimate relationship with Him or I can have a distant relationship with Him. That's totally up to me. Praise God. And so again, uh, these things are essential not just to know, but then to act on, to put into practice in life. And then watch God show Himself strong in our midst and in our lives. Now, last week... I began sharing with you about reality, about what is, is. And we're not trying to get what is to not be. We're endeavoring to get our minds and our hearts connected with the reality of God's presence as it is. But of course, there are physical realities and there are spiritual realities. But unfortunately, many people have um, lived their lives 
only conscious of and only aware of all things physical. And they live oblivious to things spiritual. Now, of course, those who have been saved, those who have a relationship with God, there's no doubt we have acknowledged spiritual things to at least a degree. You had to, to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. However, it's still possible for a Christian to live, you know, for the most part, oblivious from day to day of spiritual realities and of God's indwelling and abiding presence of His voice, of His love and His life. And we have got to get that changed. It is not God's design and plan that we would live that way, ignorant of what really is. Now, uh, again, mankind over thousands of years has been dumbed down into not hearing His voice, into not being aware of of spiritual things uh, and of the very presence and life of God. Uh, So much so that people just, and even the church, even Christians, many, they, they, they put fellowship and communion and talking with God off into the future into heaven. I mean, the idea that we could actually hear God's voice, I mean... Many people think it's normal that 99.9% of our prayer lives are all one way. And it's all us doing the talking and God apparently, I guess, hopefully doing the listening. And we think that's normal. And, and, and our reality so often exists based upon what we haven't heard, what we haven't seen, or we might say it the other way, what we have heard and seen that has been dumbed down through time and it is based upon an ignorance of God's willingness to communicate and show Himself mighty in our midst. God is not intending to hide Himself from you. It is not His plan that He be elusive and un- unreachable and untouchable and un hearable uh, by us. No, that's never been his, his deal. In fact, from the very beginning, the norm, the way God created it, the norm was that mankind and God would have conversation. Open, fluid, frequent conversation with Him. That was just the way that He set it up. And what in the world has happened to us? How all of a sudden... You know, people talk about hearing from God as being strange. And how do you do that? That's the way He created us to be. It was His idea that that would be the norm. And yet we think of it today as, well, prayers, that's when our mouth is going pretty much 100% of the time. And that's what prayer is. Hmm. And a relationship with God, I mean, someday we'll see Him face to face, but now we don't. I mean, it's not like we're going to hear His voice and... Where did we get that idea? What verse was that? When did God cut it off? When did God say to the human race, from now on, you're no longer, it's no longer going to be a dialogue. You'll have to put that off until after you die. <laughs> I haven't found that verse yet. But I found in Scripture it seemed to taper off. What God established as the norm got watered down and watered down, watered down, until people don't recognize His presence any longer. And it's not that God has moved. And it's not that His will has changed. It's not that His love for us is any different. Come on now. Go to John 12 with me. John chapter 12. I know there are some cultures that are aware of 
spiritual things more than ours. But sometimes in, in uh, some of that can be good, but some of them have been overrun by superstition. They've been overrun by some, some wrong beliefs, and they're operating in spiritual things, but it's not the Spirit of God, and so that can be a hindrance there. We have an opportunity to experience God to the full, to experience His love and presence and life in our lives, and I tell you what, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. We can't go on living as if the physical world is it. As if our lives are uh, consist about uh, of the abundance of the things that we possess. Our lives are just about physical, natural things. It's not. Man, there is a whole reality of God's presence that is attainable to you. And to me, it's not limited to a call, to a special anointing. It's limited to God's love. And, and that's, that's me. That's you. Amen. So all this has happened. Look at what happened in Jesus' ministry one day in his life. John 12, verse 27. He says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Now, now, now picture what's happening here. Jesus is just praying out loud. He's speaking out to the Father. And there's a response that's probably out of the ordinary. In other words, God spoke into the physical realm so that physical ears could pick that up. That's not something we seek. It's not something that is the norm. However, God did it this time. But what did God do? Did He kind of... How would you imagine that God spoke? Was it kind of like... Let's see what He said here again. Uh, I have both glorified it and I'll glorify... Maybe He said it like this. I will glorify it. I mean, that's probably how God, he was just kind of lazy with his words, kind of slurred them all together, right? He probably He must have done that, right? Because why did everyone go, is there a storm? It sounds like thunder. No, I really believe that God is not lazy, that he is articulate. He says things precisely accurately you know I had a friend from Georgia years ago and he was explaining to me one day how he used to speak growing up he said we were very lazy with our speech and he basically started talking and he was slurring all his words to the point that I could hardly even understand him and I guess they understood each other and he later began to sharpen up but I don't think God's that way he said something very specific and Jesus knew exactly what he said but a whole bunch of people said, it thundered outside. In other words, all they heard when God said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. All they heard was, is there a storm? So do we realize that this is a possibility? That God can speak and people could not understand what he said? Was it any problem with the speaker? 
No. How, how much clearer could you say what you say? Especially being God and saying it perfect. How much clearer could you say that? But there is an issue on the hearing side. And they had become unaware and so very dull to spiritual things. It just sounded like noise. Now, now could it be that we have prayed and we have asked and we have sought God and Lord speak to me? And maybe, just maybe, if you call upon the Lord, He'll answer you. <laughs> maybe God did His part, but all we heard was... We prayed and we thought a truck drove by. We prayed, we sought Him, and, and we just didn't hear anything. And we said, well, God didn't answer me. He didn't say anything. Oh, God, I wish you'd just tell me what to... Is it possible scripturally that he actually did tell you exactly what you wanted to know, what you needed to know, what he wanted to communicate, and there was just a problem on the hearing end? Hmm. Think about it now. Spiritual things are no less real than physical things, right? We think about hearing with the physical ear, and apparently that was, but that's out of the norm. So we think, okay, if God speaks like that, it's audible. But he doesn't normally do that. Normally, we say, well, God doesn't speak in an audible voice. So how does he speak? He speaks silently? I mean, I mean, how do you speak silently? Does God have a mouth? Yes. Does he speak? Yes. Does he speak and it's Maybe he just mouths the words. Listen, when God speaks, sounds come out. Audible sounds. Now, here's the difference. They're typically not sounds that our physical ear is going to pick up. But they are always sounds that our spiritual ear picks up, that we hear. You have more than one set of ears. You have more than one set of eyes. Spiritual things and physical things are not, one is not more or less real than the other. They're both a reality. It's just which one do we operate in? And God designed that we would be spirits who lived in a body so we would relate to both worlds. But by our absence of knowledge of that, we live physical lives. We don't see anything. We don't hear anything spiritual and of God. It's like in the physical world, if I want to give Pastor Neil a high five, we make contact. But if, if, if I were trying to give an angel a high five here, we'd kind of, you know, we'd go right through each other. But what if we're both in the spirit? What if I'm outside of my body and we got spirit to spirit? We make just as much contact in the spirit as we do physically. If we were both in the spirit, we're outside of our body, we'd have a conversation and hear each other just like we're hearing each other now in the physical realm. Just a different realm. But again, God designed that we would be able to do both. Hear, hear with our physical ears and hear with our spiritual ears and see things with our spiritual eyes. That's the norm. To whatever degree we're not experiencing that, that's a tragedy. And we, me, you, we have been trained to not listen inside. 
to not see things spiritual. That's why most Christians think that's normal. Because of that, when there's problems, we look to the flesh. We look to a person. We look to a natural source to fix it. When we need provision, we're looking naturally. Because we're unaware that in the Spirit, there is an abundance of everything we could ever want or desire. But if I can't get to it, I've got to go something I can get to. Truth is, we can get to it. We've got to stir this up. We've got to revive what is on the inside of us. And it will revolutionize our relationship with God. You see how this is important in the context? Draw near to God. You don't do that physically. You don't physically draw near to God. You do that in the Spirit. Now, I believe that the primary way that we get back to this, and I say we, God's family, the human race, whatever, we get back to spiritual eyes and spiritual ears is simply by acknowledging God, His presence, His love, His, uh, His voice. We acknowledge Him intentionally and continually until it becomes normal again. Now watch. Physical things, no need. We're aware of them. We're, we acknowledge them. We, we live in a physical world. Spiritual things, we can become aware or reaware of those things again. And if through this teaching we end up with, man, good message, I got the notes, I got the CD, I got it on my iPod, and I, I've learned some more principles, then we have not been successful. If I can convince you, and if I will myself as well act on this, to continually Day in and day out, acknowledge God's presence. Not acknowledge God over there. Acknowledge Him here. Father, You're with me now. I'm Your child. I know Your voice. You speak to me and I hear and I speak to You and You hear. When I go into my job, You're there with me. Your presence and Your power, Your wisdom and Your love, it surrounds me every day, of every moment of every day. And I'm never without, but I'm always with You. That kind of stuff. Continually. Every day. Then you will begin to live a life that's not just physical, but aware and conscious of all things God. Let me read a few scriptures to you that give you this perspective from the scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now watch. You can't live a spiritual life without thinking about God. He can't be an occasional, Oh yeah, I believe in Him if the subject comes up. Or when I'm at church. No, I must have a continual consciousness of God. Then what is real will seem real to me. You can be saved. You can have, you can have your sins washed away. But the things of God seem so unreal and so distant in your life. You can live your life and it feels like God's a hundred miles away. But if you'll set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you'll start living a spiritual life. Oh wow, that doesn't seem hard at all. 
Matthew 16, 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, that's Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, Peter had gotten a revelation, if you read the context, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus commended him and said, way to go, Peter. You didn't get that from flesh and blood. Well, why is that a compliment? Because it doesn't take any skill to get it from flesh and blood. But when someone, like Peter, he actually heard the Father speak. He got a revelation from heaven. And Jesus Jesus said, way to go, Peter. Good job. Now think about it. Peter wasn't even born again. He, He was not born again just like Enoch wasn't born again. Still had a dead spirit and he could still hear from God. Amazing. What advantage do we have? Saved, filled with the Spirit. Man, we can access things spiritual, things made, uh, things that have been a mystery for about time. We have access to those. Peter did it. He didn't get it from what? Flesh and blood. Not everything we know is supposed to come through that method. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 reads, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Flesh and blood in the kingdom? Nope, they're not related. I do not access the realm of God. I do not access the promises and the provision and the presence of God with my body. I access it spiritually. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 16. Now Paul was talking about the Lord calling him and revealing himself to him. He said in verse 16, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. And so Paul got a revelation, and he didn't immediately go to a man to check it out. He recognized that there is a difference between flesh and blood and spiritual things. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it reads, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so what's the, what's the teaching here? Paul is telling the Ephesians, you guys, you've got to know what you're dealing with here. You think that it's all physical? You think that it's all natural? It's not. There's a lot of spiritual stuff going on. And these are basically the you know, different ranks of demonic forces and powers and spiritual wickedness. And he says... That's who we're really wrestling against. That's, who the, that's where the opposition is in life. But so many times we think my problem is with this idiot, this person, this person who's doing me wrong. They're, the, they're, they're my issue. My problem is the person I'm married to. Or, you know, or my problem is this, this group of people. He says, no, that's not your problem. The problem is spiritual. There's, an, there's a spiritual idiot behind that <laughs> physical idiot. You know what I'm talking about? Can we see how it can be very common for us to live unaware of that realm? Because we don't see it with the physical eye. And we deal with all the struggles and challenges and temptations and things that we face in life. And we deal with them all naturally. We seek natural help. We seek a natural solution instead of dealing with the root. And dealing with the spirit realm behind the scenes. And that is not something that we're trying to get to be. It just is. 
Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we operate in that realm or not, it still is. But we've been authorized with the name of Jesus and the Word of God to actually influence spiritual things. Because we're in this earth, we have a right to live in two realms. If we choose not to or choose to ignore it, it doesn't affect the truth that that realm is coming against us. It still is. But if we'll learn and say, ah, I see what's going on here. I don't necessarily see what's going on here, but I see what's going on here. And I start operating in two realms now. Dealing with not everything spiritual, dealing, not just dealing with all things spiritual in a physical way, but using the spiritual side of my life, of which you are a spirit and I am a spirit, to deal with this stuff. There's a lot more going on in your life than you realize. Same here. There's a lot more going on in this room than what we see, see and feel. There's a lot more going on in your home and in your workplace and in our government and in our, in our world and society than what people see and feel. And I could get off on a tangent there, but, you know, there, I mean, there's problems galore in our world. And people are always looking for a natural solution to fix them. And, and I don't believe there's a natural solution to fix everything. The only, the only way we're going to turn some things around is a whole bunch of people get saved. And we deal with the root and not the fruit. But that's another topic for another time. But, but you can see how it relates. Sometimes people, you know, they want to look at their own lives. Why do I continually have these problems? Don't ignore the spiritual side of things. And some of us want to back off. Some people want to back off from this talk because they know some folks who are really spooky spiritual and they don't want to be like them. And there's, of course, there's truth that some people get weird with stuff and they, they're out there and they're calling things spiritual that are not. But let's not go in the other ditch either where we are unaware of the realities of, the, the, of spiritual things. Amen. Your spirit is a lot smarter than your head. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Now, my brain, I'm not supposed to lean to my understanding because in my brain, I don't have the mind of Christ. But in my spirit, I do. Yeah, I know what he knows. I have access to his wisdom and his knowledge. And if I'm not tapping into it, capital D, dumb. <laughs> to think we've been made a, been given availability to all things God and spiritual. And yet, here we are, leaning to our own understanding. We are not bodies but spirits that live in bodies. God is also spirit. He created us with an ability to relate to Him in the spirit. And so we've got to stop trying to have a physical relationship with God. He does not have a relationship with your body. He has a relationship with you. And this is what we must be aware of. God does not walk with our flesh. John wrote the book of Revelation. How that book came about, last book in the Bible, was pretty, pretty interesting. He told us how he got it. He said in, in the first chapter of Revelation, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Notice where he was. He was in the Spirit now, he says on the Lord's Day, so he's identifying a particular time. Meaning that he wasn't necessarily 
always there, but he's telling us of an experience. He said, I was in the Spirit on this day, and I heard these things. And he saw amazing stuff, and the book of Revelation, we're still trying to figure it out, right? He was in the Spirit and got these things. It doesn't say this is the only time he was in the Spirit, but on that day, this is what he saw. It seems that John knew that though he had a physical life, he could also do things spiritual. He could have access into the spirit realm and he could go there. He could have his physical life, but go into the spirit. And when he was in the spirit, he would see things, he would hear things that did not come from flesh and blood. It's almost like Hebrews 4, remember? Let us boldly come into the throne of grace. We can go there. We have been given permission to go into the presence of God. We choose. We acknowledge that it's there, and we go. You as a spirit being of a spirit God, God is a spirit, John 4, as a spirit child of a spirit God, can access spiritual things naturally. Again, God created us this way from the beginning, and the fact that we don't experience it uh, very much, it's not His plan. We can go back. We can re-educate ourselves into the realm of God and His presence and His amazing love and, and His all things that are of Him. Look with me at John 17. John chapter 17. Now, the way that we draw near to God, this is very important. Everybody listening? The way that we draw near to God is not by focusing on the gap, but by focusing on the union. Because to, for me to say that I am close to God and not close to God can both be true at the same time. But the way that I am going to draw near is not by focusing God, focusing on a God who is distant. Where I say, God, hey! You know, people say, oh God, be with me. That's the gap. People pray in church, Holy Spirit, come. That's the gap. We do not give attention to the gap. We only know that it potentially exists in a soulish way, not in a spiritual way. And because of that, we are going to acknowledge what is spiritually, and that will remove anything that exists in a practical or soulish way. Does that make sense? All right. We are not giving attention. We're not going to act like, talk to, sing about God as if He's far away. As if He's not here. But we are going to acknowledge what is. That's what I'm going to show you the next rest of this message here today. God is, and He is now, and this is already done. That The knowledge of that... <gasps> will make it become a reality in your life. 
as you acknowledge Him, as you acknowledge that truth, continually, repeatedly, until it's second nature again, or first nature. Jesus was praying in John 17. We looked at the first few verses earlier in this series, but look, look with me at verse 20. He's still praying. He's been praying for weeks now. John chapter 17 and verse 20, he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? Huh? That's right. People believed in Jesus. They spoke. And generations later, we heard the same word. And here we are. Verse 21, that they may be one. They all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. How? One where? One in us, in the Father and the Son. That the world may believe that you sent me. What is Jesus praying here? He is praying. Well, let me back up for a moment. Do you see the way that people, us, a family, a group, the way that they become united with each other? is not by becoming united with each other. If I want to be one with you or in union or or unity with you and you want to be that with me, we should not focus on being like each other. If you're like me and I'm like you, neither of us are like God. And that's not His goal. But if I will be one with Him and you will be one with Him, then we are automatically going to be one with each other. You want to fix a a troubled marriage? If both people, which can be a challenge, but if both people will pursue and draw near to God like never before, they will automatically end up closer to each other. And their problems of division will go away. Absolutely. But listen... Because I said that, I've got to say this. If one person will do it, it'll sure help. (laughs) I'd do it if that spouse of mine would do it. (laughs) You'll be at a stalemate forever if you think that way. (laughs) Amen. But watch. Now again, what Jesus prayed here has been answered. When Jesus prayed that we all would be one like He is with the Father. We would be one with Him. That has been answered and that's done. Everybody listening. The day that you called on the name of the Lord and were born again, you were brought into a spiritual union and oneness with God Almighty. And that is the present day condition of all of our lives with God. I can live conscious of that or I can live with a consciousness of what I feel and maybe He doesn't feel close to me right now. Or maybe I'm not hearing anything. No, I need to have my mind connected to what is reality. Spiritual reality of a union with God. That will cause any other existing gap up here to be erased. Uh, Jesus said, verse 22, And the glory which you have given me, I have given them. 
that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is finished. He has already given us His glory. He has given us His presence. He has made us to be joined and connected with Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, it reads, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. That is amazing language for God to reveal to us, because this is now after the cross, after the prayer. The prayer was answered the day people were born again. And, uh, and now the truth is, if you're joined to the Lord, you are one with Him. Yeah. So any person in here that's been saved, you could honestly and correctly say that you are one with God. He said that. You're one with it. That means there's nothing in between you and Him. There's absolute union, unity. Begin to think like this. Begin to stir your heart up to this end. Father, we think alike. We are the same. I'm like you. You're like me. I can't say that he's like me. I know me. Again, what are we doing here? Are we not acknowledging the physical stuff? No, we are acknowledging what is spiritual and what is true and what is done in order to override and have dominance over the physical stuff. Too many people do exactly the opposite. They judge their relationship with God based upon all things natural. And I don't have a natural relationship with God. I have a spiritual union with Him that influences my natural life. But the more I acknowledge what is, I become aware of His presence. And hearing His voice, that's natural. He's my dad. He's my father who loves me. He's my father who is in me. He's with me at all times. His presence is always there. For us... To live our lives and those things seem strange is only an indication and only a revelation of how far we've fallen as, as a people. Fallen from God's original plan. Well, God doesn't really want to talk to us until we go to heaven. How dumb is that? I mean, we all believe that God will talk to us when we go to heaven. We'll, we'll stand face to face and, and, uh, and, and so forth. And no doubt we'll see things and know things there that we don't know here. But to, but to put off our relationship with God as if that's, that, that's His idea. We're just oblivious to things now, but then it'll all be fixed. That's just dumb. And He never said that. We've made that up. Through carnality, through thousands of years of religion and tradition overriding the power of God. And, uh, but what is doesn't do us a whole lot of good. Until it becomes a reality in our life. You know, healing is. Scripturally, healing is a settled fact and a done deal in every single one of our lives. Period. But how many know that doesn't do us a whole lot of good until it's received? Until it's put into, into operation in our lives from a day-to-day, day-to-day standpoint. Same thing is true with this amazing relationship with God that you have right now. 
this amazing union and connection with him that could never be replaced by anything else. It exists right now. Let's become aware of it. Let's acknowledge what he has said in his word. What he has given us as a, as a possibility to w- actually walk with him. Amen. <laughs> These things are. Let me finish up. Romans 8, 9 says that you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Can you believe that? Yeah. Well, uh, we can just literally just say it. I'm in the spirit. So what about John? He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Obviously, what he was doing was taking advantage of what is, physical is, spiritual is, and he would go be with the Lord. He would, tune, he would open his ear to hear. And at certain times when you do that, God will show you stuff that like, oh, wow. Now, that's some of what he shows you. Well, that's up to him. He showed John some pretty outstanding things. I've never seen all that stuff. But he loves me just as much as he loves John. My call is different. He'll say different things to me. He won't tell me everything he tells you. He won't tell you everything he tells me. But he'll talk to all of us. And he'll show his love and, and kindness and everything to all of us. Every one of us, without exception. No one is excluded from this. So when you talk to him, when you meditate on the Lord, let it be like some of these things that we're talking about. You know, I, I try to let, I let these scriptures settle in my mind, but then I let things flow out of me as I'm praying sometimes. And I'll just, I'll just begin to acknowledge him. I'll just say things like this. And I say things like this. I'm not, this is not rehearsed. It just, but I'll acknowledge things. I'll just say, Father, I thank you that you're in my life. You're with me now. You're in my life. You're with me here. I'm your child. You're my father. I hear your voice and you hear mine. I'm in your presence. You're in my presence. Lord, you are always with me. You're for me. Your love is in me. I know your voice. I speak God. I understand what you say. Amen. Things like that. I'll I'll just stir myself up like that somewhat regularly to be aware of him. I'm not trying to get him to do anything. The moment I start trying to get him to do something, the further I get away from it. Because if I'm trying to get him to do something, I'm saying that he's not. That he's withholding himself from me. No. No. I'm acknowledging what he has already said, what he's already done, and letting that be a present tense reality in me. Amen. And we're all growing up. Going up, growing up. And these things are becoming more real. And let me say this again. I'm trying to stop for today. Everything else we want and need and are supposed to do in life becomes easier. It is empowered. It is graced by God when we are accessing what He has provided for us in this way. So I just I just need pro, I just have trouble paying my bills. I, listen, we can talk about natural stuff. That's a valid subject. We could teach financial principles and teach faith and all this kind of stuff, and we will. But I really believe that if you'll draw near to Him, 
you'll get answers. And God will fix your finances. He will. You've got to listen to Him. you still got to obey and believe what He says. But this enhances every good thing in life. Someone said, I'm just single and I want someone to marry. Well, be married to the Lord first. In other words, make that, merit, make that relationship priority. Then other things will happen. Because God made you that way. And the reason you want someone is because He made you to want someone. Amen. Don't just draw near to them, though. Draw near to Him. And He'll direct your steps. And you'll know which way to go. You'll know which, one, which situation is right and what's not. Amen. Amen. We're going up. Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your kindness toward us. Thankful for your very presence in our lives. Thank you for your very presence in our lives. We desire you above all. And we acknowledge that you're here. In this room. In our hearts. In this place is your presence you're with us now you're for us you're not against us you're always always on our side Lord we love you and we worship you today thank you for opening our hearts giving us revelation and understanding of you thank you for working in this place now pulling back the veil of what is allowing us to see the way things can be allowing us to partake of your very presence and all that you are thank you Lord we see and we understand and we know your voice thank you for working in our lives today Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God.